Well, hey everyone, Carrie Beck here with Homeschool Coffee Break, where we help you stop the overwhelm and you can actually take a coffee break. Today, we have a special guest for you, Julie Ross, and we just sort of connected in the last month. It's been exciting. We discovered we have lots of similarities besides homeschooling, but anyway, Julie, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Well, we are in the midst right now of the holidays. And so the topic we're going to talk about, especially for homeschool moms, I think is so important. We're going to talk about self-compassion for ourselves. And we'll even dive a little bit into this because I know when I first thought about not self-compassion, but sometimes taking care of yourself, I was like, oh, that sounds so selfish. And I was like, no, really, it was better for my kids if I would take care of myself and all. So we're going to just dive right into this topic, and I know y'all are going to get a lot out of this. So before we do that, Julie, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about you? Absolutely. So I've been homeschooling for 20 years now. I have five kids, two adults that have launched, and then three still at home that are 15, 14, and 13. So it has been a wonderful experience, but the long haul for sure. And I've learned a lot of lessons along the way, and so I'm excited to get to share those with other moms at this point in my life, um, I created the Charlotte Mason curriculum called A Gentle Feast. We also have uh, an award-winning reading curriculum based on Charlotte Mason's approach to teaching reading. And I'm also a certified Christian life coach. So a lot of what I want to talk about today falls under that umbrella of some of the coaching tools that I've learned and have used to help mothers along the way. It is so exciting. And I know um, I've seen Julie like in the Charlotte Mason Inspired Summit, and I'm a huge believer in Charlotte Mason's approach. When uh, if y'all have ever heard my story about homeschooling, everyone gave me all these books. Uh, the only one I ever bought was the Charlotte Mason one from uh, Susan Schaefer Macaulay. Um, and because, and believe it or not, as a college kid, it wasn't a homeschool mom. And so that's a whole other topic. If y'all want to learn more about what she does with Charlotte Mason, we'll give you links in the show notes. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about taking care of ourselves and especially during the holidays. So can you tell us a little bit more about what is self-compassion? Yes. So very simply, self-compassion is showing yourself the same kindness that you would show to others. So the dictionary defines compassion as concern for the suffering of others and a desire to alleviate it. So as moms, we tend to be very nurturing people and we are so good at caring for others when someone else is suffering, when our kids are suffering, right? We're there with the band-aids, we're there with the hugs. We know how to nurture other people. Unfortunately, most of us don't know how to nurture ourselves. So instead of showing ourselves compassion, we show ourselves criticism. And it's very subtle. And so it's taking something like this to at first notice what we're actually thinking. Our brain's run on autopilot most of the time. So once we even know that we're talking to ourselves in a certain way or the thoughts that we're repeating to ourselves on a regular basis. And the more you repeat a thought, the more you think something, the stronger that neural pathway gets in your brain and your brain will easily go down that road that's always gone down. Charlotte Mason even talks about creating mental ruts in your brain, uh, like a wagon. It becomes easier. And she's talking about building habits for your homeschool days, but it also relates to our brains as well. So 
the first step is kind of even noticing what we're thinking or what we're saying to ourselves. That is so good. And I just love that because um, I do think, I mean, some people put some of this stuff in the new age movement, and yet there is so much truth from the Bible when it comes to this and speaking truth. But you're right. You've got to find the lies and the things going on inside your head that are messed up. But then you can start to replace that. I love the neural pathway. This research I've done in the past few years has been great. Um, could you explain just a little bit, like when you say neural pathway, I understand what you're talking about, yeah. but could you give people not necessarily a scientific deep dive into it, but just sort of let people know what you're talking about? Yeah. So our brains kind of have these, I, I mean, I like to refer to them as roads, as paths. It makes it easy to see. Um, and so when the synapses in your brain are connecting, the rut gets deeper, the path gets clearer. It's like making a path in the woods. You know, at first it's really hard and there's lots of brush and things you have to clear off. But as all that stuff's cleared off, now the road is smooth sailing. And so our brains build these connections. Like if you see them under an MRI, <laughs> but for me, it's just easier to see it and have that kind of picture of like what a road is. And um, I used to think that if I showed myself compassion, that it was like a get out of jail free card. Like it would be like, oh, well, you can just be a slacker now. So that it was this self-compassion was this like woo-woo uh, thing where like we all just get a participation trophy for showing up. And I used to think that by showing myself kindness, it would make me some sort of slacker where I'd be like, you know, I gave the kids cereal every night for dinner this week. Woohoo. But it's okay, Julie, show yourself some compassion or we never got to math all week. Oh, no big deal. You know, and I used to think that that would motivate by showing kindness to myself. It would make me just not want to do anything where in fact, the research shows and in my own life, for sure, when we're kinder to ourselves, it actually motivates us to do more things. So it's not giving you this like blank ticket where you can do whatever you want. It's not self-indulgent. There's a big difference between self-compassion and being self-indulgent. It's not like, oh, go eat five more cookies, Julie. Like <laughs> when you are showing kindness to yourself, you think, oh, what does my self need right now? How should I treat myself? What would be beneficial? And then I go, oh, I don't really need those five cookies or, oh, we probably should eat something other than cereal this week. That's so good. And you know, I mean, I don't remember what book, I think it's Corinthians, but it's the kindness of God that draws men to himself. And we think it's like, oh, we got to be critical. Like you said earlier, we've got to tell people what to do. And yet really it's God's kindness, but also being kind to ourselves as well. That's what's going to bring out the right kind of life that we want to live as well. Right. I have that verse uh, as well, that, you know, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And so yes. we have to first learn to show ourselves that kindness and start to receive it from God. But we often shut the door to that kindness. God's showing us the kindness, but we're so critical on ourselves that we shut it off and we don't hear that. And we only hear the critical voice that's inside of our head telling us all the things that we did wrong this week and all the things that we could have done better. And our brains are naturally wired to keep us safe. So they want to point out the things that are wrong. Um, our thinking is naturally we go to the negative because we're trying to figure out to keep us safe. All the things that are happening that are going wrong. Research shows, uh, I think it's like 85% of the thoughts we think every day are negative thoughts. So to turn, it's actually like what it says in the Bible about taking your thoughts captive and we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So I'm taking this thought captive. I'm not, and now I'm going to think a different thought, a thought that is kind. 
And that's the first thing. So Kristen Neff is the researcher who kind of pioneered this concept of self-compassion, but millions of studies have come out since she launched it. And basically, you know, the first thing she says is one of the elements of self-compassion is learning to speak kindly to yourself. And so for me, um, when I first learned about this and my counselor was um, trying to teach me in this, because it is a habit. It, Like I said, your brain naturally is going one way and you're taking those thoughts captive and going a different way. So it's building a habit, just like building a muscle in the gym. So she had me get a picture of myself when I was a little girl. And she said, next time you have all these negative thoughts about yourself and you want to say all these mean things, I want you to get that little picture. And I want you to say that to that little girl. Well, of course I couldn't do it. Right. I was like, oh, you know, but we think it's okay to talk to ourselves like that. We say things to ourselves. We would never in a million years let anyone say to our children, our spouse, our friends, never. But we think it's completely fine to say it to ourselves. Or in fact, it's a good thing. Like I was saying, like, oh, this will motivate me to do better. It doesn't. <laughs> so good. I really like that. I wrote Kristen Neff's down. I'm gonna have to look her up a little bit. So yeah. we've talked about self-compassion. I love it. I love the verses. Actually, some of the verses you just shared are some of my daily verses about taking every thought captive. Um, so important for us to do. So how can this help homeschool moms? Why do they need this gift of self-compassion? Yes, I think we are some of the hardest people on ourselves of anybody else. <laughs> We have so much on our plates and so much responsibility and we care so much for our children and the work that we're doing. And it is so, so vital and so important. And we tend to focus so much on all the things that we're giving to them, all the things that we're doing for them. And we lose sight of, of ourselves in all of that. And oftentimes we get pushed to the very end of the to-do list. If there's any time left over in the day, I'll go for a walk. If there's any time left over in the day, I'll take a coffee break, like you're saying, right? And so we have to realize that that this is okay and that this is actually something that is super important for us to do. So I'll, I'm going to jump ahead here a little bit. Um, so one of the things that Kristen Neff was talking about is another concept of self-compassion. So first is speaking kindly to yourself. And the second component is this common humanity. So by being kind to yourself and realizing I'm a human, I'm not perfect, we're, we're all humans. Once you learn to start having compassion and empathy for yourself, you have more compassion and empathy for other people. So when you aren't the harsh judge constantly for yourself, you judge other people less as well. And research has shown the people who are the best parents, the best spouses, the best friends and show up better in relationships are the people that are able to be kind to themselves because they are able to hold space for other people in the hard things that they're going through. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about this about Christmas time, because I feel like as homeschool parents and just parents in general, right? With the holidays, there's so much expectations of it's going to be this perfect magical universe and, you know, all these things are going to be so wonderful and it's going to look like a Hallmark movie and all these amazing things are going to happen at Christmas. So you put, we already are starting off with really unrealistic expectations. And then we're seeing all the ways that we are falling short of this ideal that's not even possible to achieve. So of course we're going to feel frustrated um, and we, we miss out on some of the beauty and the connection that we can have. Also too, I think around the holidays, we're having interaction with family. And sometimes that cannot be the most um, edifying for some people and their family relationships, right? And it brings back a lot of that. Oftentimes the inner critic voice that we have sounds an awful lot like 
our parents. If you had very critical parents or you lived in a house where nothing was ever good enough and you weren't doing things right and you were constantly hearing that message, that your inner critic probably sounds a lot like that. And so when you're around your family, it can really trigger a lot of those memories and a lot of those feelings. And then we become even harder on ourselves because it's something that we were used to growing up. That's so good. You know, I know it's Christmas time, but for me personally, Thanksgiving is the is harder for me than Christmas. I don't know why. I can still tell you, my kids know me three years ago. I had a total emotional explosion at the Thanksgiving table at my parents' farm in front of my whole family. I had to call and apologize. But, um, you know, it took me time to actually like forgive myself because it wasn't just them forgiving me for my stupid little explosion. It was like, I really have to, and still there are times that that thought will come in here. And then I have to just go, you've already, for God's already forgiven you. You've already forgiven yourself. You need to just move on. And mm -hmm. I will tell you, when I think about the neural pathway and some of this stuff, the more you do it, the quicker you pay. The, I think the more you pay attention to your thoughts and the quicker the bad thoughts show up for, and I'll just give you an example and then you can sort of address this. I would be driving to my kids and the car, the car is really a bad place for me because my mind just goes everywhere. But <laughs> I'd be having this conversation for 30 minutes saying, I got to say this, this, and this. Now it's like within less than a minute or two, I catch myself and I'm like, that is, first of all, it's not right to God. I need to get, not have those thoughts. And it's not good for myself, nor is it very good for the people that are about to see me as well. And so, um, I don't know, that's a whole bunch of information, but I really like the neural pathway. Holidays are hard. And so I appreciate you saying that. Is there anything else about just this idea of compassion at Christmas time? or yeah. any holiday, because I know Easter has been hard for our family as well, because we had a death uh, of my 23-year-old niece, and we dealt with a lot of things at that holiday as well. Is there anything else that you want to say about just that being important? Well, um, I'm going to read a, you um, a quote from Charlotte Mason that she wrote in a parents review article, and I think it really applies to what we're talking about today, but also Christmas. So it's called Happy Christmas to you, because that's what they say over there in England. But she says, but the Christmas holidays, boys and girls at school are counting off the days to homecoming. The father says, darling, we shall soon have our young folk at home again. The mother, nobody but the youngest of the schoolgirls, is so glad as she. She thinks of setting out for church on Christmas Day with, let us hope, the whole of her scattered flock about her. And yet there is a shade of anxiety in the mother's face as she plans for the holidays. Anybody relate to that anxiety? <laughs> The brunt of domestic duties falls necessarily upon her. It is not quite easy to arrange a household for a sudden incursion of new inmates whose stay is not measured by days. Servants must be considered, you know. We gotta make sure we, we plan all our tasks, right? What, can you imagine? <laughs> but in this article, it goes on to say, that may be tiresome. Amusements, interests must be thought of. And then does the mother stop short and avoid putting into shape the, and then, which belongs to the holidays after the week of Christmas. So not only do we get the plan for Christmas, then what are we going to do the week in between Christmas and New Year's, which is like this dead zone? How are we going to keep everybody entertained, right? And then she says, let us have a happy Christmas anyway, and we must leave the rest. It is a counsel of perfection that mothers should have quiet days for the rest of the mind and the body and for such spiritual refreshment as may be to prepare them 
for the exhausting, however delightful, strain of the holiday. And that was written like 150, I don't know, yeah. how, at least 150 yeah. years ago. And we think yeah. we have it hard, you know? Yes, so, right. And so she totally got it right. Except for the, you know, planning for your servants part. We probably don't have to worry about that stress. But, you know, having people come in your house, having, you know, older children, if they're coming home, you know, and you're doing all these different activities, you have to come up with the amusements, right, in the entertainment for people. And so there's all this stress at Christmas time. And she's saying, you need to have quiet days to rest and prepare because it's exhausting, it's a strain. And so she nailed it right on the head. It's delightful. And there are so many beautiful, wonderful memories that are gonna happen at your family holiday, right? And focus on those and the good things. But you are going into like a marathon here, people. The week of like Christmas, Thanksgiving, the whole month. I mean, it's just one big race, you know? And so you have to be constantly getting refreshed, filling yourself up, or you're gonna be running on an empty tank. And I've run half marathons before, and I've hit the walls, what they call it, around like mile 10, which is when your body runs out of all the natural energy that it's stored up inside of you. And you just feel like there's no way you could possibly take one more step further. Like everything within you just wants to like crumble and lie down on the ground. And it's so mentally exhausting by that point in the race. And so if you're not constantly refueling yourself during the holidays, you're going to be hitting the wall. And you don't want to do that because you want to be there for your family. You want to be there for your kids. You want to show up as your highest, most nurturing, full, confident, loving self. But that's not going to happen if you're not having these quiet days or these quiet moments, we'll say. <laughs> we might not get some days, but we'll take some moments to, to rest and nourish yourself. And I feel like self-compassion, one of the first main components of it is realizing when you need to take care of yourself and allowing yourself to do that. And one of the questions of self-compassion to ask yourself is, what do you need right now? We're so good about asking that for other people. Like if one of our kids is upset, right? We're like, oh, baby, come here. What do you need? Oh, you want to watch some Hallmark movies and have some hot cocoa and make some cookies? Yes, let's do that. You know, we are so good at nurturing other people. We never stop to ask ourselves when we're frazzled and we're anxious and we're running around going, what do you need right now? And it might be, I, I just need five minutes in the bathroom by myself. It might mean, you know, I need to go get my blood flowing and I need to go for a walk. And sometimes it's just giving yourself like a hug and just telling yourself, you're okay. You're safe. I love you. And showing you're talking to yourself like you would your kid, talking to yourself like you would your best friend. That's so good. We do need to do, and those are so simple things. Give yourself a hug. Go to the bathroom if you can shut the door and not let the kids in. And that's amazing. But, you know, you can't go in there and um, have quiet time or go for a walk, even just a five minute walk. Like I'm, we have lots of blocks, but I walk around this little bitty block in less than five minutes. But sometimes I think going outside, too, if you can, I know it may be freezing cold somewhere, but um, those are just such simple things. The other thing I thought of, and it's something I learned in a grief share class when my niece died and that's to breathe and sometimes just to breathe and I learned this square breathing where you breathe in for four seconds and you hold it for four seconds you exhale anyway you go around the square and the funny thing is we need it but I watched I didn't never told my kids this but one of my daughters taught that to her two-year-old and every time her two-year-old was losing it and like we lose it so maybe sometimes we need to breathe then now go breathe. Now make a square. And she's like crying <laughs> while she's doing her thing. 
but we need that too. And I just really appreciate you sharing these very simple ideas that we can do to take care of ourselves. Yeah. I like to think of self-compassion sometimes too, as like a big blanket, like one of those big cozy Sherpa blankets. And, you know, it's like, I just, and sometimes I will actually like physically wrap myself up in a blanket. So, you know, our kids respond to that, but we need that too, is that touch. So we can communicate mm-hmm. compassion through touch. That's why we hug people, why we rock babies, right? It's showing compassion when we can do that to ourselves, what feels good for you. Um, but also in like our tone, the, the, the way that we're saying, and it might be way we're talking to ourselves, talking to our children out loud. The way we talk to ourselves is usually in here, <laughs> but is it the tone something that is how we would talk to a child that is hurting? And I, I try to go, are my thoughts coming out of my own head, even if they're not spoken out loud, even if they're just in my head, as I would talk to a little child. And that's why I said, like, having that picture of me as a little kid really helped me visualize it and go, no, I wouldn't yell and, you know, say those mean things to a little child, especially myself, but I feel like it's okay as an adult or somehow I need that. And so it's kind of reshaping our view of that to even realize it's okay. Cause like you were saying, sometimes we think it's selfish to show ourselves compassion and it's so the opposite of true. Um, and like I was telling you, like research really shows that people who are able to show that compassion to ourselves are more compassionate to other people. There's also this concept in um, neuroscience called mirror neurons. And that's basically your brain is mirroring some of the behavior that they're seeing in the people that are closest to them. So when you're able to learn to regulate your own emotions and take control of your own thoughts, your children are naturally, and it's like Charlotte Mason talks about in the atmosphere of your home, you might never say anything out loud to your kids, but they are picking up on that from this concept of the the mirror neurons and what's going on in their brain. And they learn to calm themselves down. They learn to start to have compassion for themselves. So it's us doing it first, we're modeling it for them and what a gift we're giving to them as well. Well, that's the best way to teach is modeling and mentoring. I had I was in a Bible study a few years back, and this one mom who dealt with anxiety herself said, please pray for my daughters, who I think were like 8 and 12 years old, because I don't want them to be anxious like I am. And she was really searching for ways to model this better. I mean, she knew that it didn't matter what she said. They were watching whatever she did and her attitude about everything. And I just applaud her for actually recognizing it and trying to work through that as well. Was there anything else you'd want to say about what happens as we show more compassion to ourselves? Yeah, I think like what you were saying, it, it does become easier. So at first, this is going to feel really awkward. And you're like, what am I doing here? Or you might question it and go, uh, maybe being too easy on myself and everything's going to fall apart if I let myself be kind to myself, you know, and it's a process. Like I said, like lifting weights, it's a habit. And And like you were saying, the easier, the more you do it, the easier it is A, to first notice the thought. Because most of the time, like I said, we run an autopilot. We don't even know what we're saying or thinking half the time. We just see the results in our life, which aren't what we want. And we feel anxious and we feel unloved and cared for. And so then we feel overwhelmed in our lives and it's first noticing that, right? And then it's going through the process of what do I need right now? How can I be kind to myself right now? Also, what can I think that's different? So it's taking those thoughts, being aware of them, but going, I don't have to stay here. I don't have to 100% agree with whatever it is that I'm thinking right now. There can be a different way, like you're saying, like learn to question the lies and figure out and ask God to help you see the truth in that. Um, I love this um, 
quote I wanted to read to you. So it's from a theologian called Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he's talking about in Psalm 42, where the writer asks, why are you downcast, O my soul? And he says, the trouble in this whole matter is this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Am I just being deliberately paradoxical? Far from it. This is the very essence of wisdom in this matter. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you and they bring back all the problems of yesterday. Somebody's talking. Who's talking to you? This is what you need to do. You need to stand up to yourself and say, self, listen for a moment. I need to speak to you. And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is, what God is, and what God has done, and what God has pledged to do. And so it's this kindness, but it's also telling yourself words of kindness continually, because it's in noticing the unkind thoughts, the critic, this inner critic that we all have, but it's also speaking words of life and words of truth over ourselves. You know, that verse in scripture, or words have the power of life and death. It has the same power over you too. So good. And I just do want to say, I appreciate you. Um, I've read a little bit of Martin Lloyd Jones. I think he got his name right. I know he's written about depression as well. And he's, That's from that he's written some different things. And we're talking like the man, I don't know, around the 1900s. I don't always remember the right times, but somewhere back yeah. there. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that because this man is writing from a biblical perspective. And again, I just want people to know this is something that I believe God really teaches. If you look at David in the Psalms, he is doing exactly what Julie is saying. He, I mean, I don't have all the numbers. You can go find him, but he's always like, oh, my soul this and oh, my soul that. And he is speaking truth. Okay. He, he talks about the lies or the struggle that he has, and then he speaks truth. And I will say for me personally, I don't know about for Julie, but I actually say those things out loud because there is something powerful about speaking God's truth out loud. It becomes a part of my heart and my soul and just really changes, I think, our thoughts as well. So I just want to clarify for anyone that's still going, I'm not so sure, go read the Psalms and you have a whole <laughs> different perspective. <laughs> yes, yes, 100%. It's definitely 100% biblical, 100% what God is saying, you know, that we're reminding ourselves of the truth and we need to oh, do that good. because we're constantly bombarded by lies all the time. And like you, I wrote out um, some truths and some kindness, words of kindness that I wanted to say to myself. And I wrote them on the mirror with dry erase. So it'll come off. And, and I would look at myself in the mirror and I would say, I'm a beloved child of God. I can do all things through grace who strengthens me. God is for me. You know, I would just repeat all these things to myself because it's not just, Noticing the unkind thoughts, you have to replace them with kind thoughts for yourself. So good. So good. Well, hey, thank you so much. If people want to get in touch with you a little bit more, what's do you have any resources? What's the best way that they could sort of follow up after this? Yeah. So the feastlife.me is where I have courses in my podcast and blogs more about kind of what we were talking about today, some of those coaching topics. And then a gentlefeast.com is where I have my Charlotte Mason curriculum and reading program and resources and those kind of things. So it's, there's two different sites. One's really focused on you as a homeschool parent. And then the other one is giving you tools and resources to use with your children. 
Um, well, that sounds great. We will have all those links wherever you're listening to this. They'll be in the show notes and y'all can just click away and get there. And also I will list some of the names of the people that she mentioned, Kristen Neff and Martin Lloyd-Jones as well for anyone that wants to dig deeper in those areas. So Julie, thank you so much. I sure appreciate you spending time with us. Merry Christmas to everyone. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. All right. Thank y'all. I'm Carrie Beck with Homeschool Coffee Break. We'll talk to you next time.